Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Offensive line, offensive line, and more offensive line. I bring on Windy City Gridiron Zone Lester Wiltfong Jr. to talk everything big ugly in this episode of Bear With Me. Hello and welcome everybody to this episode of Bear With Me. While commonly a review and preview show about Bears games, we don't have any Bears games, and as you know, that means we've had to get creative this offseason to find various topics. I'm your host, Robert Schmitz, coming at you from Windy City Gridiron's podcasting channel, where me, Lester Wiltfunk, today's guest, Jeff Brickus, and EJ Snyder work hard to bring you the best Bears content that we can, especially through this offseason and dry period of Bears content. Now, Bears fans, y'all are a hungry bunch, and while I commonly specialize in skill positions like quarterback, receiver, and a couple other defensive players, I know you guys have been hungry for offensive line breakdowns. Frankly, you've got me hungry for them, so I brought on the smartest guy I know to talk about the big uglies in the trenches, and you may have guessed it, but that's Lester Wiltfong, Windy City Gridiron Zone Editor-in-Chief. We've got plenty to cover today, ranging from a breakdown of every single Bears offensive lineman, what Lester likes about him, what he doesn't, his thoughts on the UDFA class, and all other gems about the position. So I won't keep you from him. Let's jump on Skype and hear what he's got to say. Hey, Lester, how are you doing? Doing good, Robert. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. I got to tell you, and I know I was kind of mentioning this before we started recording, but Sackwatch seriously was my genesis at Windy City Gridiron. I remember four years ago, I stumbled upon because I was doing what tons of fans do after a rough game where I remember Cutler had taken a ton of sacks back in the day. Uh, and I was asking myself, like, which linemen need to go? What do we need to work on? Whose fault was this? And then I stumbled upon Sackwatch, where this expert offensive line guy was just ripping through every single play, saying, like, yeah, this one, it looks like it's on the left guard, but it's not. It's actually on the running back because he missed this blitz, meaning that the center didn't roll over, left him on an island. I don't know. It was just wildly interesting, like the level of detail you're able to get into. So I got to tell you, I am super excited to have you on today. That's cool. You know, with, with Sackwatch, one of those things where I started doing it at the time, you know, this is kind of like right as pro football focus was kind of starting to become a thing. And, you know, there was like one or two other places that actually were tracking sacks allowed. But it seemed like it was always the offensive lineman that, that, that took the blame for every sack, no matter what it was. If it was the edge rusher the guy that had the sack, for the most part, it was the tackle that gave up the sack. And that's just not always the case. You know, there's, there's coverage to be, to be, uh, that has to go in there. There's a, there's a tight end, you know, failing to chip, uh, the, the, the back failing the chip. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Plus, if, if, if the guys don't slide properly, there's just a lot of different variables that can happen where, you know, it may look like the, the Jamarcus Webb, you know, was, was the guy that was at fault. <laughs> but, but, but in reality, you know, the guy that made the sack wasn't his guy. There was a blitz on. He took the inside path, which was the most, uh, the most dangerous player. The guy who came off the edge should have been picked up by the uh, running back or 
it was the quarterback's responsibility to read that and get the ball out quick. That is just crazy to me to think about. Uh, I mean, so for the audience listening, I'll tell you outright. A uh, big part of the reason that Lester and I are going to do this uh, offensive lineman focused podcast is because all of you hungry Bears fans desperately want to know about our offensive linemen. And thankfully, on the line with me is truly the best resource I know, not only for Bears offensive linemen, but offensive linemen in general. It's a complicated position, exactly like you just mentioned. And so clearly, it took expertise and it took time to learn all that. So if you don't mind me asking where did you grow up and what got your start in offensive line understanding um well i've always played the position to be honest with you when i was in, in, in youth and in high school I, play, I played a year of college and that was kind of where i was uh just stuck with i was i was left tackle for the most part <laughs> and uh, you know i'm, I'm I, in high school i was uh, my senior year i was i think six five two two sixty holy moly um, my first year of college i was six six two seventy five so you know, and then now I'm, of course, a little bigger, same height, but a, a little, a little wider. But uh, it's just one of those things where it's just I've, I've always been the big guy. I've always played the position, and I've always appreciated what those guys have done because, like, like you hear it, everything starts in the trenches in football. Oh, absolutely! It is crazy watching the Bears this year at how many of our plays just flat out don't happen if the offensive linemen aren't as good as they are. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm looking at trying to make a video about how Matt Nagy's you know how his play calling is above average. Certainly, what makes it smart. And it is shocking to me how much of the execution involved in every single play really does come down to yeah. can this lineman get his job done? Not just this one, but but that one and that one too. Like sometimes if all three linemen hit their mark like perfectly, you've got 15 yards, like just free and easy. All that's got to happen is all three of those guys have to hit their blocks, but it's really hard to do that. Yeah. What is, I've heard a term thrown around. This is a random place to start with the podcast, but what kind of blocks are there? One that I've heard a bunch is a reach block. That's apparently really difficult, but I'm sure you know a little bit more than I do about like the types of blocks and what linemen will be asked to do on different places. Like like a reach block is when you got a guy who's kind of far on the outside of you. And uh, let's say we're talking about Charles Leno and there's a guy lined up far mm -hmm. to his uh, his left. And it's Leno's responsibility to get out there and make that block on a toss sweep or something like that. Mm -hmm. He just has to get a really good angle. He has to get his, his hands out in front. He has to get his butt around. And he has to basically seal that guy off so he can't, you know, make, make, it, make, make, make a play in the backfield. It's just one of those things where, you know, with offensive linemen, yeah, they're good athletes. But let's face it, for the most part, they're going against much better athletes. That's just, mm -hmm. that's just what happens, especially at tackle. You know, so it's just, you know, he has to understand his technique. He has to understand, you know, when, as soon as the ball snaps, he has to be, be on his horse and get out there and make the play and, and you know, make that block. It's just uh, – like I said, those guys are fast coming across the line, and, and you have to know what your job is. You have to know the angle he's taking. You have to get your hands in good placement. And again, it's all about the, the hands and the feet working in unison to get your butt around to make that to make that block. That is just crazy to me. So one thing that I'll make a corollary about with wide receiver or running back a whole lot of time, I feel like the magic of the position is about being better at one thing than anybody else. If you've got a wide receiver that's faster than everybody else, uh, suddenly you've got Tyreek Hill and you have a superstar. If you've got a wide receiver that's bigger than everybody else and he can catch, you've got Megatron. He doesn't have to be wickedly fast. If he is, that's great. You have somebody like Julio Jones that's just this 
unbelievable athlete, but I feel like a lot of these uh, offensive skill positions, you're looking for something, somebody who is amazing at one thing, even if he's only okay at something else. On offensive line, it sounds like it's pretty much the opposite, that if you can't do a little bit of everything, you're just sunk. Is that the case? You know, your offensive linemen are usually the smartest guys on, on the field. Really? You know, I'm, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, it's just, it's just a fact. If you ask, ask Cruz or, 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 or any, 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 any guys that play for the Bears, they'll tell you the same thing. You know, you have to be, <laughs> you have to understand what's going on with, with everything in front of you, everything behind you. You have to know what's happening, especially at that level. You know, you have to have the speed, you have to have the power. And, you know, that's why you, you'll have some guys that will, will struggle with certain aspects of the game. And it's just, you know, it's going to happen. But, you know, you're truly elite guys. Like, like watch some, uh, some uh, Joe Thomas tape from the Browns when he was mm-hmm. there. You know, I, I love watching his stuff. He was so good. You know, going back further, uh, you have guys like uh, Anthony Munoz, you know, to name a guy. Uh, you know, there's a ton of guys out there. Just watch some of the old, old school stuff. And it's just uh, it's unreal at how good they are. Because they, like I said, it's all about your hands and your feet working in unison. And then you just, okay. it's just so beautiful to watch when it's all working correctly. It really is. It is amazing to watch uh, when a lineman is on his game. I know recently I was asked to do a study on Charles Leno, which I found just exhilarating, honestly, because I watched a little bit of Kyle Long. He's hard to miss, you know, Uh, when he when he pulls and he runs somebody over or when he throws somebody down seemingly out of absolutely nowhere because he's just got strength for days Uh, comparing Long, who's unbelievably aggressive to somebody like Leno, who I don't want to call him timid because he's not timid, but he's not going out of his way to kill anybody near as much as he's just, like you said, getting his hands out, uh, keeping his feet steady and just completely disallowing the uh, the lineman, their, the defensive lineman, that is, their ability to make any effect on the play. Uh, as we were starting to get into uh, the Bears lineman, which one, if you had to pick one, is your favorite? And would you mind if I asked you to just go around the horn, give me your thoughts on all of them, what they do well, what you'd like to see a little bit more of? I don't know. Just super open-ended. Go for it, Lester. Uh, well, right now, I really like what the Bears have going on with James Daniels. You know, he is, for a 20-year-old rookie coming in, you know, he has really good technique. And then his, his knock was the strength. But I think as we saw as the year went on, the strength wasn't a problem with him. I mean, he had a really good game against Sue and against Donald for the, for the Rams game. You know, he's a guy that, you know, you see where he can go as now he's, he's 21. You know, he has a full year in, in the program. You know, this guy could be all pro, perennially all pro every single year. He's just that good. He has the total package. And then the Bears talking about maybe flipping him back to center this year, which I'd be fine with it. Like I, I say this all the time, though. If you're going to do it, do it now. It should be something they do as soon as they step into the, into the very first, uh, the first practice on the field. That should be something that happens immediately. You know, let these five guys, whoever they're going to be, learn their positions, stay in their positions for the rest of their lives. I want no, no more, <laughs> you know, no more movement out of these guys. Uh, but but with you got Daniels and you have Whitehair also. I think Whitehair. You know, a lot of people thought it would be Daniels and Whitehair, you know, at, at, at center guard respectively last year when they drafted Daniels. But what the Bears said was he just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready from a, from a, a, a mental standpoint. He didn't understand what he was seeing in front of him, and that's why he didn't start right away. Um, the physical thing that kind of a couple a couple guys talked about, but I didn't never I never saw that as an issue for him, you know, coming out uh, when he was in training camp. Same thing. It's hard to tell a lot of stuff in training camp because it's not always full speed, but he didn't look overmatched. So. I understood keeping him on the sideline until he learned the mental aspect. I understand keeping him at guard as a rookie because, again, 
center is a much harder position to play. You have to know the protections. You have to know okay. what's going on. You make, you know, the, the center makes all the line calls in the NFL. Um, so he had to understand what he was seeing. He didn't understand that yet. Um, plus, the Bears moved their guards quite a bit, and Daniels is a really good athlete. Uh, so keeping him there, um, you gave him a chance to succeed and have early success. He doesn't have to think too much at guard. He has a chance to use his athletic ability at guard as well. So I think we saw him have a really good rookie year, and he made some all-rookie teams, I believe, last season. Um, I think he was on PFFs and a couple other ones as well. So good rookie year from him. You know, him and white hair, going to be a great tandem in the middle. And then you have Kyle Long, veteran. He has to stay healthy, obviously. Um, this is the first. This is the first offseason he's had uh, with no surgeries, I think, in three years. So that's going to be huge for him. You know, you mentioned him. He's a mauler. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his techniques, even still at this point, is not the, the prettiest. But he's just so strong up top. Uh, he has good core strength. And once he gets hands on you, you're, you're pretty much blocked. It's just a matter <laughs> of, you know, it's just a matter of him understanding, you know, the technique is there. He's a good athlete. But, you know, he's just fun to watch. Like I said, he's a mauler. Then you mm-hmm. have Massey. He's kind of the same way on the, on the right tackle. He's one of these guys where – if he gets his hands out too far in front, you know, he's going to get beat. You know, he is not the the, the, the quickest of players. Um, but once Massey gets his hands on you, you're pretty much blocked. Okay. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if it's a guy off the edge with speed. It's all about his angle. He takes a proper angle, and he's able to get a good forceful punch on, on that edge rusher and, and, and grab him. You know, I say grab because as off of the lineman, you can grab. You just can't hold. There's a big difference yeah. in those two. There's a big difference in those two. And if, for the Packers, you know, they teach something that's borderline holding, but it works for them. You know, I'm, yeah. when I say grab, I'm talking about grab them on their chest plate, grab a little jersey there. As long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not outside the frame of the body, the refs aren't going to call that at all. Grab inside, keep it tight. With Massey, once his hands are on you, he's really strong in his hands. You're pretty much blocked. His problem is if he doesn't get you right away, if, if the speed's too much for him, if his angle's not good, that's where he has his problems, and that's where he gives up pressure. But I say this all the time: you can't have five guys that are all pros. You're going to have that one guy sense. that's you're going to have one guy that's a weak link. And, and if it's if it's Massey, and the Bears know it's Massey, then that's fine. You know they can do stuff where they're going away from him at times, uh, a quick little chip once in a while. You know having 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 the, the protection slide his way once in a while. You know, anything to keep a defense guessing is good for when you have that one guy you're worrying about. But again, I've been higher on Massey than most. He's he's a good right tackle in the NFL. And then over to Leno. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, long story short, I mean, I guess I always feel like everybody's hard on every offensive lineman. At least it feels that way. Because like you said, yeah. uh, offensive line's a position where uh, if you do your job, most of the time nobody notices. But if you fail ever, everybody remembers yeah. it. I remember with Massey, one of the things that I feel like sealed his uh, a lot of people's opinion of him, and I hope I get this game right, I'm pulling straight from memory, was when the statue himself, Mike Glennon, was trying to drive down against and to win against Atlanta. I remember there was some play in there where Massey blew a block, or at least it looked like it, against Vic Beasley, I want to say. Again, yeah. all from memory. And it was one of his first games with the Bears, and all the Bears fans went... That's him. That's that Massey guy. He's the guy who blew the block on the end. And it just set that opinion of him. Last year, he seemed like he played great. 
great obviously being in the realm of he did his job he made mistakes that would be expected of him but did everything that you would have asked him to do like did he play like a true like top 10 top five right tackle i mean not necessarily but he did everything you wanted him to do and i feel like that's what you should expect linemen to do like that's what you want a lineman to do you know I mean, there's a reason the Bears paid him what they paid him Makes because sense. because their grades on him were high. You know, they knew if he got got to the open market, you know, the money would have been much more. I mean, I'm not sure what his grades were out there. I say grades. We all know what I'm talking about. It's pro football focus. <laughs> you know, that, that's 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 the, that's the grading service out there. And and I'm not sure where they had Massey, but among the NFL circles, they hadn't graded much higher than what they had on that. That's mm-hmm. why the Bears. That's why the Bears paid him what they did. They they, they did not want him to get to, to, to free agency. They wanted to pay him now and keep him locked up because he's a quality offensive lineman. Uh, he's good in the locker room. He plays with with a with an edge to his game. You know, he's a little angry at times, which is good. And uh, you know, I've always liked the way he played. You, you do mention though, early early in his Bears career, he did give up some sacks early, and and that's just how that's the nature of the position. Mm-hmm. You know, an offensive an offensive lineman can dominate for 60 straight plays if they give up a sack they're a bum you know and it's one of those things where it's like are you kidding me this guy was killing all game and now now the the, the guy in defense is going to have a sack dance because he made one play out of 60 you know it's just one of those things where is is off the line going to dance every time he makes a block no No. because he's just he's just doing his job but but if he makes that one mistake or or if there's a hold oh this guy sucks i can't tell how many guys Uh. are, are are, 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 are in, my, in my mentions on Twitter, tell me how much Charles Leno sucks because Ooh. he had, I think, he had like one game where he had a couple penalties like in the same game, like back to back, and oh, he sucks now. No, he doesn't suck. He he played good the whole game. Yeah, there was a couple of mistakes he made, but you know he's a he's obviously he's quality enough to make the Pro Bowl this year as an alternate. You know, so in <laughs> in you know the Bears again, he's another guy. The Bears paid him a couple years ago because they realized mm-hmm. what they had there. Is he an elite left tackle? No, but he's quick enough. He's a, a really good uh, with his hands and feet. And he's a guy, he doesn't have the strength up top. But, again, if he has his feet working in unison with his hands, mm-hmm. if, he, if he keeps his, his back flat and he's not, you know, too far out in front of his head or in front of his butt with his head, you know, he, he's good. I mean, he's really, he's really good on the pulls as well. One thing, I haven't done that in the last couple of years much, but when he was in the John Fox offense, they would run a lot of those toss suits to the left, mm-hmm. and they would pull him outside, and he would get out there and make those blocks. You know, he, he is pretty good athlete, and you know he's quality. He's he's quality. The Bears have one of the better offensive lines in the game today. Uh, if everyone's healthy and everyone's playing right, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason last year they couldn't get it done with Jordan Howard. Um, I know some people thought it was the offensive line's fault, uh, but then you but then you go on on Twitter and, and you, you see Crutes and a couple of the other guys that, that follow the Bears. Uh, 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 um, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, uh, James Big K Williams, you know, they kind of talk about how it's not all on the old line. You know, some of it's just Howard not quick enough to hit the hole like he's supposed to mm-hmm. for whatever reason. You know, and, and I, our, our own guy, uh, 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 Whiskey Ranger, did a great film breakdown early mm-hmm. last year at some point. And, and this, I never thought of it at the time, but not facing eight in the box is actually hurt Howard mm-hmm. because now the linebackers are a step back, they have time to react. And Howard's not quick enough to make him pay because he gets hit as soon as he hits the hole. So I, I'm okay with the moving on from Howard. I know we're talking about O-line here, but I think we'll see the O-line look much better this year with Montgomery and Davis at tailback. 
Hey, if the if the offensive line is an orchestra, the running back's definitely part of it. Not only do they chip in on coverage all the time, but they're also, you know, with any running game, it seems like, and certainly I saw this with Howard when I was first trying to dive into his footage myself, it feels as if a running back and an offensive line on any given running play kind of have to know each other to that same level that a quarterback knows his offensive line on passing protection. Could I get a, a quick confirmation? That is the case, right? Like, generally speaking, you got to, as a running back, know that, okay, Kyle's probably going to do this and Cody's yeah. probably going to do that uh, given this situation. So I need to get around Kyle's back for the most yardage. That's kind of how that works, right? Well, especially in, in, in the zone blocking scheme, it's all about you about, about the aim point for the for the running back. You know, it, okay. it's 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 one cut and go. I mean, they don't want a guy that dances. You know, they mm-hmm. want a guy that as soon as he sees what he's seeing there, you know, you, you got to hit the hole or or, or 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 go back against the green or, or go outside. You got to do it as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, no dancing because the hole's there now. It's not going to be there forever. It's it's the NFL. I mean, these guys are good athletes, so. You know, you have to hit it quick. You have to know your your aim point, and you have to go as fast as possible to get through that hole. And that's what I think you'll see more with Montgomery, and you'll see with Davis, and we, and we see it also with with Cohen. Mm-hmm. Is they're just quicker. You know, they're much quicker to the hole, oh, yeah. and they can get through the hole. And you know? also, I think that's one thing we'll see this year. We'll see the Bears, uh, the Bears uh, average yards per carry go up. One thing that's really goofy about Nagy's scheme, and I don't know whether it's unique to Nagy or whether I just haven't been watching the film as closely because I'll be the first to tell you that I've really only started watching the film all this closely this year. It seems as if Nagy really likes to, I call it cheating in the running game, where especially on outside runs, he will intentionally allow a backside defender to be wide open against the running back with the intention that a pulling lineman that usually leaves that guy open, that the running back will just outrun that guy and that he will be out of the play before we know it anyways so the lineman can chip in on the blocking protection uh the trouble was as i'm sure you saw plenty jordan howard a lot of times wasn't quick enough to actually beat that guy in the foot race so yeah. that backside defender would chase jordan down and you'd see these beautifully blocked plays ah gosh i found at least three or four of them that they would have been touchdowns had we had a faster back in but we d- we didn't and so it was maybe a one yard two yard gain and it it was just i can only imagine the disappointment that linemen might feel when it's like oh man i see those two guys getting it and i'm hitting my block where's the oh he's already down oh wow (laughs) i don't know i really hope montgomery's the guy uh one thing that i've personally noted is i need to see him run against nfl competition before i'll be absolutely certain he's not slow because speed is his only thing holding him back I know he's not a burner. It's not about whether he'll be a burner. It's about whether he'll be at least average speed. That's all I need. Yeah. That's really all I need from him. You know, you mentioned the the backside uh, the, the, the guy in defense, and and that's that's true. I mean, you don't block that guy if you're if, if you're in, in, in so that's in the common. Zone, yeah, if if you're in the zone blocking scheme, you know the the offensive line and, and the tight end. If they're if they're, if it's a, a, a two tight end set, you know mm-hmm. if if the play is if the play is a, a stretch play to the right, we're all stepping to the right. So if there's a guy that's to the left <laughs> outside, I, I'm telling you, there's a guy that you leave him alone. And and, and back when I coached, I, I, if, if it happened where the guy would catch my tailback, I'd find a new tailback because he's not fast <laughs> enough to out. You know, you, he yeah. has to outrun that last defender. I don't care who mm-hmm. it is. You know, you, you, if you're going to to the to a stretch player or, or an outside zone player or even something inside, you have to hit it quick enough where that guy can't make a play. Yeah, there's a thing where he, he, he if he gets too far upfield. You know, it, it opens a lane for the cutback, 
which mm-hmm. is fine. That's 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 one of the options of the zone. But again, don't block that guy. I, I say I, when I'm coach, I, I told my kids all the time, you know, ignore that guy. And then every now and then at, at the level I coach with the youth, you know, you see have the head guy in the end. To them, that's an easy block. So so at the youth level, they'll cheat if, if the play's going to the right. My 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 guy in the left will he'll just turn his butt and he'll he'll, he'll block that guy because like, look, coach, I'm blocking my guy. No, no, that guy cannot. <laughs> that guy's not making a play. Go get a linebacker or safety over here. So that, that's as common. You do not block the end guy line of scrimmage. And plus, you know, if, if he starts getting up too wide, again, now you are open for the cutbacks. Or if he's, if he's not playing safe, now you come with the reverses, the end arounds, the stuff like that. So there's a lot of guys, a lot of ways to make that guy honest, which is what you want him to be. You, you know, you don't want him cheating down the line too quick. If that happens, then you come with a wham block from a guard on the, on the backside, and you're on, and you're on a, a, a counter tray up, up up through the up the other side. So, there's games you play with those guys. To keep them honest, and that's what you want to do on, on, on offensive line. Makes total sense to me. And you mentioned the cutback lane, and that's certainly something we see all the time from Tariq Cohen. I swear, sometimes that guy doesn't really need an offensive line. He just needs a bunch of guys to all move as a group in one direction so he can turn around and run the other way. And now he's, you know, off in his own free space. Uh, yeah. It'll be it'll be really interesting because to just one last touch on Jordan Howard before we potentially move on to something else. It sure felt like that was kind of Nagy's thought process this year. You know, that exact thing you just said, where it was like, well, if I don't have a tailback that's going to outrun that guy, I need to find a new tailback. But with this team that we had, we had Jordan Howard and then we had Benny Cunningham, who wasn't, you know, faster than Jordan Howard, or at least he yeah. didn't look like it. We had Taquan Mazel, who I swear Nagy tried to give him the opportunity uh, to be that guy, you know? Yeah. Like, he really got his shot. He's never going to look back and say, I didn't get my chance. Yeah. Uh, so the Bears, obviously, they trade up for David Montgomery. They then get Kareth White, you know, as just in case. Let's go get one of the fastest guys in the draft. It sure looks as if they're kind of making a backhanded statement that they're well aware what the problem was and they're not going to let it happen again. Well, I think uh, another thing that's true is, yeah, the, the Bears moved him for a, a sixth round. And then it's, it's one of those things where, you know, no one else had a better offer on the table. I know, you know, a lot of Bears fans are saying the Bears got hosed. Well, you know, there was nothing else on the table. Plus, you know, what happened in Philly? You know, they drafted a running back, too. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, Jordan Howard is going to have, I think, a nice career in the NFL. But it's going to be like a a, a LeGarrette Blunt type of career where he's the Mm -hmm. power guy. He's a change of pace guy. You know, he's not going to be the man like he was the first year in John Fox. For whatever reason, his yards per carry has gone down every year. You know, maybe it's just the punishment that he's taken. I'm not sure what it is, but but I think Jordan Howard, if he's not used too much, if he's kept in that, uh, you know, 125 carries, you know, that's about all he get in the season. You know, don't give him 250. You know, last year, again, you hear Bears fans saying, you know, Jordan Howard didn't get the ball enough. He was six in the league in carries. So, you know, the Bears gave him the ball. He just didn't do a lot with it this season. For whatever reason, it, the, 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 the line wasn't perfect. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. perfect. You know, there were issues all over the place. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's the guy not getting the yards. He's the guy not breaking the tackles. He's the guy who doesn't have the quickness to make a guy miss. So, you know, the Bears had to move on. And they wanted a guy that was a better scheme fit because, you know, I think there's been a lot of breakdowns done. When Jordan Howard's in the game, you know, there's only so much he can do. You know, he's mm-hmm. either going to pass block he's, he, or he's going to run the ball. You know, he's not going out in the flat. He's not going to go to the slot and line up as receiver. That's just not his game. Mm-hmm. Now, what you have, we have Davis, you have Montgomery, you have Cohen, you have uh, you have a uh, 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 Cordero Patterson as well. These guys can line up 
anywhere on the offense. It just gives Nagy more options. Mm-hmm. For for Howard's sake, I hope he gets paid at some point. That's the one position that I always feel the worst for is Bell Cow running back as a rookie because you got plenty of these guys that he played three really hard, like key years for the Bears on yeah. a rookie contract. And there's just there's not a lot we can do about it, you know? Like yeah. he he carried the ball more than plenty of people will carry in their entire life. I'm one of them. Plenty of other people are one of them. Like uh, he he did a lot. He made his mark in the NFL. He just never saw the money. And so I hope he gets a neat payday. That would be good for him. I'm cheering for him on a personal level, but it wasn't a fit. Uh, yeah. let's, let's shift now to the passing side of things. So one question that I've always had, I have no idea if viewers at home, uh, want this, but linemen and pass deflecting. So you've seen it plenty of times. I'm sure you dealt with it, uh, your own personal, uh, in your own personal experience, but defensive linemen in plenty of cases will jump up, especially if they've been kind of beat on their pass move and they're not getting to the quarterback, they'll set themselves up and they'll jump up to try to deflect a low-hanging ball. Is that the lineman's responsibility to stop them from doing so? I mean, there's not much you can do. I mean, if, 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 if the defensive lineman's not getting through, a lot of times they'll just stop their rush, and they'll kind of play off a little bit because they want to get this. Uh, they want to see what's going on with the quarterback. They want to, make, they want to jump up there and, and make the deflection. But, you know, if, the only thing really off the line you can do is really come with a, with a, hard, a hard punch. Uh, but even then, like I said, if, if the defensive lineman is stonewalled, if he's not going mm-hmm. anywhere, instead of just 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 fighting against himself, he may as well just kind of just lay back and see what happens, and 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 jump up and and, and make a deflection. So, not a okay. lot he can do. I mean, it, most of that falls on the quarterback. He has okay. to himself. So he has to find a good passing window to throw through. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, those guys in defense are, are paid to make plays too, and sometimes mm-hmm. they make plays. So plays like we saw in week two uh, where Mitch Trubisky on his second interception of the game, he throws it. It's deflected by, I think, either a lineman or a linebacker there. Uh, and then the ball falls into Shaq Griffin's hands. That's on him for for seeing those men in the way and throwing it anyways. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's one of the things where, you know, I mean, he doesn't know the guy on defense is going to jump up if, if, he's, if he's so close to him. He doesn't know what's going to happen there. It's just one of those bang, bang plays where, you know, okay. the guy in defense, you know, he made, he made a great play. You know, I mean, you know, with, with Trubisky, you know, it's one of the things where the quarterback, you always hear about about uh, uh, matriculating in the pocket. You hear a lot of guys talk about, you know, it's, 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 it's their ability to move, you know, slightly left, slightly right, slightly up, slightly back to find the, the best angle to make his mm-hmm. throw. A lot of times there's there's it's a split second decision. It, it happens so quickly. There, there's nothing he can do. It's just a matter of, you know, if he, if he sees his, his, his guy there, he, he knows where he's going to be. He, he makes the throw and the guy in defense jumps up. It happens. Makes total sense. It's one of the hardest things I feel like for football fans to accept sometimes is that those guys are paid big money to do what they did. And that doesn't always mean that the offensive player sucks. In plenty of cases, it just means it was a great play. Great play. Uh, So one question I've got for you. What is the most underrated aspect of offensive line play? And what do you think is the most overrated aspect? Uh, Underrated? I think uh, people don't realize how important it is uh, for these five guys to play in unison. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, it's it's hard to do. It's it's hard to to get these five. I mean, they have to eventually these five guys play as one. You know, if, if it's a run play for the zone and they all have to step a certain way, um, but e- even more so in the passing game. You know, if there's a twist going on in front, in front of a guard and tackle, 
with 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 a DT and, and a DE, and they're running a twist on you. You know, you have to just know by feel you know, where your guy's going to be for help. You have to know by feel that okay, now it's time for me to, to pass my guy off to you, who I trust will be in your spot because here comes your guy coming to me. It's just one of those things where, you know, the the the, the dance that's taking place there on every play. You know, we talked about it. It's, it's it's awesome to watch, but. You know, I don't think they get enough credit for having that mental aspect of the game by knowing what's happening in front of them and knowing how to pick it up because it's all happened so quick. It happens on field. It happens because they get to know each other, how the guy next to him plays. It's just one of those things where, you know, it happens all the time and we don't realize it. But but one of these days, just 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 watch those guys. I know I know in, in sack watch, I point out a lot because, you know, when, when their stunts that are on mm-hmm. and, and it's picked up perfectly – I mean, that's exciting to me. It's just so cool to watch, with, <laughs> you know, whether it's Daniels and Lano and, 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 they, and, and there's, there's a TE stunt being done in front of him and it's just picked up. It's just cool because you don't think about it, but if it's not done, you will. But when it's picked up, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it just happens. It's one of those things. It's extraordinary when they're able to do it all together. I mean, I've watched a couple of those, and I those are probably the plays, those stunts. And for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about, a stunt is when the inside lineman runs around the edge of the outside rusher uh, to get either around the edge or basically they try to mix themselves up in some way or another. Yeah. And every time I see one of those, I'm amazed they're not consistently sacks. It's one of those like those uh, fake wide receiver screen, wide receiver passes that go for touchdowns all the time. Time, where you catch yourself almost wondering why they don't do it more because it's so successful and when those do get picked up it's a thing of beauty it's like those two guys are just like speaking to each other telepathically because you know they're not literally talking to each other they just don't have the time it is crazy to watch they look those stunts look complicated and plenty like and you never it's always hard for me to blame a lineman when they're caught by one of them like when you see the edge rusher I think at one point the Bears did a couple of these where Mac would press inside and both yeah. guys would turn into Mac. And so then whoever it was next to him, sometimes Roy Robertson Harris, sometimes somebody else would just race around the edge where Mac had just vacated and just blast the quarterback. What is the offensive line supposed to do in that case? You almost yeah. start wondering. You know, a lot of times the, the, the D tackle is just trying to occupy space. You know, he's trying to keep his guy on him while still going into his, the, the guy, the tackle and basically setting a pick. So, 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 huh. so, so, the, so the guy in the edge can come around and make the play. So, you know, as a defensive lineman, you know, you can't hold the guard because that's there's such thing as, as, as defensive holding. So, so, <laughs> so if so, if I'm playing D tackle, I can't grab the guard in front of me and move him over here. But, but you know, I'm essentially going to block him into the tackle. So I'm creating a pick. So the so the edge guy can come around and, and have a free lane to the quarterback. Man, that is so cool. Okay, so. You mentioned the most underrated aspect. Do you think that there's something that people overrate about line play? Uh, you know, I don't think so because it's such a it's such an unglamorous position. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, you know, those guys. You know, it's like lately they're starting to get paid, but back in the day, you know, those guys didn't get paid much. You know, those guys. Okay. You know, they've all they've always been the heartbeat of a team. You know, everything starts in the trenches, but you know, way way back in the day. They didn't get paid. You know, nowadays we're starting to see the guys starting to get, you know, to get the money they deserve because people realize what's going on here. So as far as overrated, yeah, I don't think so. Does that mean that pancake blocks are as impressive as they look? Uh, it depends. You know, a lot of times it's if it's a real one, which it doesn't happen very often in the NFL, but <laughs> in the, I, 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 
on the college level, it happens all the time, and it's 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 ridiculous to watch. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys on Twitter that that, that, that they'll share those things. You know, I follow a bunch of guys on that that, that cover the old line. I mean, I, I'm I'm learning stuff all the time just by by watching these guys. A lot of a lot of coaches, a lot of former players. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff. If you go on my Twitter feed and you see who I'm following. <laughs> you know, a lot of them, a lot of them are offensive linemen or offensive line coaches. So, you know, they, and they always are sharing clips and gifts. And it's one of those things where, you know, you learn technique all the time and it's, it's, it's a never ending thing. Man, that is so cool. I remember one uh, thing you retweeted at one point. It was like a lineman problems sort of thing. You know, yes. basic Twitter handle. Yes. Uh, the one with the kid playing basketball who just like yes, locks yes. somebody with his hand position. That was awesome. That's that's the off season for uh, for uh, left tackle right there. <laughs> that's it. Okay, so what do you think about the undrafted free agents? Uh, I know that we got a couple of Notre Dame guys, namely Alex Bars. Do you think either of them will be able to contribute this year or in a long-term role? Of all the offensive linemen, I, I didn't watch a tape on all of them, um, but the few that I did, the only guy that I think is really going to have a good chance of sticking on the 53-man roster is Bars. Uh, obviously, he has to be healthy, which I, I believe all indications are he should be back healthy by the time camp comes. You know, he just – he he's – I'm not going to say he's your next starter there at, at, at guard. but he's that'd a be guy. a big proclamation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but when you look at how he plays, I mean, he has some warts in his game, obviously. I mean, he, he, he did fall. I mean, if he was completely healthy, they say he probably went, you know, uh, uh, second or third round, which, you know, that's, that's, that, you know, that's not one of those things where it's, it's, a, it's a guarantee. But, you know, if he can have a nice career like, a, like Eric Cush or Brian Witzman has, you know, where they play mm-hmm. as a swing guard for a number of years, you know, that's a win for a guy. A lot of times if you look Ooh, at yeah. these guys, you know, like like fans, they'll say, oh, he sucks. Like a guy like Kush or like Wixman. They suck. Really? They're playing like 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 six or seven years in the league as a backup. Yeah, they're 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 a backup for a reason. You know, they aren't able to, to, to win the job. But, you know, they don't suck. You know, they're just doing what their job is. And it's hard to play all those positions. Uh, this year, the Bears have Ted Larson as their kind of the swing guy in the middle there. And, you know, again, Bears fans, oh, he sucked. He sucked the year before. No, he didn't. He played pretty good when he was here. He was a backup. He had, I think, like 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 six or seven starts when he was here. And when he went to Miami, I think he started two uh, two straight years for them there. So he's a quality backup lineman. And if that's what Bars ends up being and the Bears got him as an undrafted free agent, and if he can play here for the next four, five, six years, that's a win for the Bears. If he can become an eventual starter for you, which, you know, the, 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 the skill is there, obviously. Uh, the strength is there. The technique is there. He's just got to put it all together. And he has a great, a great coach to do it now. Mm-hmm. That's his own better. coach. His, his, his own coach. And that's a big reason why he, why he ended up coming to Chicago. Him and the, uh, the center, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But that's why they came here, because they wanted to work with the coach again. Uh, they saw the Bears' uh, depth at that position was something the Bears needed to work on. Mm-hmm. And I think Bars has a great chance of making the roster of all the undrafted guys. And then uh, practice squad will get a couple of twos. That would be absolutely an incredible win for the Bears if they're able to lock down Kyle Long's future developmental starter for free. Yeah. I know that yeah. exactly like you mentioned, it's a win for the Bears anyways, because if they don't get if, if they don't get anything out of bars, well, thankfully, they're not counting on anything out of bars. If he ends up cut because, like you said, nothing materializes for him. So be it. We've got a decent offensive line or a great offensive line, in my opinion. You know, like like you said earlier, 
if you were going to rate all these guys in Madden or something, they're not all a plus, but that's not the point of an offensive line. It's about shoring up all your weaknesses. And the fact that on a play to play basis, the bears have five guys who are able to do what they need them to do. But boy, yeah. oh boy, if high stand can manufacture something out of bars, that would be such a big win for a team that is going to start needing to uh, keep money close to their chest pretty soon. Yeah. You know, he, he's a really good coach. When I was at camp last year, I kind of watched him do his thing. And you know, it's fun to watch him coach. I mean, he really gets in his guys' faces. He really, he really that's teaches. Awesome. You know, he, he's a teacher. And that's, what, that's what you want in that position. And, you know, it's, you got, yeah, you got to have the rah-rah stuff. But, you know, you have to know what you're doing. And then you have another guy on, 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 on the practice squad a couple of years ago. And then last year, he kind of was on the roster the whole year. That, that's uh, uh, Rashad Coward. Who you know he he's one of these guys he's a, he's a better athlete than a football player when he was coming in. Okay, um, that that's kind of why he went from from D line to O line is they saw the potential there. And when I saw him in camp and I saw him in preseason, you know he definitely looks like a keeper. He's a guy that that's awesome. I'm not sure I'm not sure if they're going to keep him at tackle long term because early in camp he was guarded and kind of went to tackle and I think he focused mostly on right tackle uh, all through the season. Uh, but of course, not being in at House Hall for practice, it's hard to tell what he's doing. But he's a guy that, you know, he's a, a definitely a prospect, but, you know, he has good hands. He has good feet. Uh, he plays with good balance. And, again, it's all about putting it together. When he did make mistakes in preseason, it's usually when one or the other wasn't working. You know, you got to have everything working in unison. And then with, with Coward, like I said, if it wasn't, you know, he, 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 he would be a little too far out in front or he, his, 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 his angle on his kick step wasn't perfect. But when he put it all together, you saw the potential was there to actually come to be a, a definitely keeper in the NFL. That's awesome. Now, one thing I found myself like leaning in to ask was, yeah, but are his arms long enough? And that actually brings up yeah. another question I have. Is arm length as important as it looks like it is at tackle? I know the only guy I've really watched, and I'll say this again and again, is Leno. And his yeah. long arms are such a plus on his case. Because yeah. if he gets an arm on him, as much as I know you mentioned that he doesn't have a ton of power compared to some of the other guys, it sure seemed as if when Leno got his hand on somebody, the rush was over unless that guy was trying to bull rush him which like brandon graham did in the playoffs can be pretty successful but now i'm getting off on a tangent point is is uh is arm length uh, like is long arms uh at tackle a need or a just an advantage you know it definitely helps these guys yeah think about it this way if if, if you're in a fight and and you're both going to punch each other and and your (laughs) arms and 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 and, and for me i'm i'm six six and i'm punching the guy who's smaller you know, I'm going to hit him first. You know, it's all mm-hmm. about delivering. It's all about delivering the jolt. You know, you want to get your hands out quickly. You want to get. You want to hit him before he can react. Because if you get him, you get him the jolt. You get your hands on him. You know, that's that's half the battle right there. If mm-hmm. if his if if your guy on you're going against if he gets into your chest before you can make contact with him, you know the the battle's on his side now. So it's it's a game. You know that's why you hear about they'll bring in in, in hand fighting experts. I think the Bears had a, had some. Uh, <laughs> A, a judo coach in a couple of years ago. That's because you're learning how to get your hands up quick, how to strike, how to, how to hit with power and leverage. And it's just one of those things where with Leno, he's only six, three. That was one of the knocks oh, coming nice. out. You know, that, 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 that's why he lasted until the seventh round because people thought, Oh, he can't play tackle in the NFL because he's six, three, but you mentioned mm-hmm. he has long arms. So that's one thing, you know, the arms are plus for him. You know, I, I never saw six, three as being a problem. Um, for him just because, you know, he did it through college. And, and that's one of those things where you got to give him a chance, you know, as a seventh round pick, taking a chance on him. I thought it was a great draft pick way back then because, you know, the technique was there. The upside was there. He was a high ceiling kind of player. 
and the Bears have benefited from that. That was a uh, an Emory draft pick, if I remember yep. correctly, right? So it's, it's one of those one things. Of, mm-hmm. One of the go few, ahead. right? Yeah, go ahead. It's one of the few that are still on the roster. It's one of his best picks, too, because it's hard to top. Uh, one yeah. thing I remember talking about in one of the comment threads back before I was a writer is I was talking about uh, just value picks and how to make the best value pick. And what's always complicated about those is that you get way too much credit for getting the right guy way late. I doubt yeah. Emery knew that, like, to say that Emery knew Leno was going to be this guy, that's not yeah. fair. Because if no. anybody else did, he goes in maybe the second or third round. I mean, this guy's been great for us. But it reminds me of how Ryan Pace's best pick will always be Eddie Jackson. Hard to get better <laughs> than one of the yeah. best safeties in the NFL out of the fourth. But Charles Leno has been, in my opinion, one of the best picks by the Bears, maybe in the last decade, because yeah. LT is such a tough position to fill. We filled it with a seventh rounder. Well, if you look, if you look at him though, he, he started his career, you know, as a backup, obviously, and then mm-hmm. they tried him, tried him in right tackle, and he just wasn't very good, you know. And then you hear some people say that what's the difference? You know, the difference is it's 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 like a mirror image of your of yourself. You know, if if, if your if your whole life your kickstep has been, you know, a plant on your on your right, wow. go back go go back with your left. And now you have to do everything opposite. It's just hard to learn that. And he was bad as a right tackle. And the only reason he got his chance back at left tackle is because Jermon Bushrod got hurt, what, five years ago, four years ago? It was a while ago. Yeah, you know, he, he got his chance. Uh, he was he was serviceable uh, this first year he got in there, mm-hmm. and, but he just he just kept getting better every week. He got a little better every year. He got a little better, and then he ended up getting a big payday. I guess you don't think about how complicated some of those tiny little switches are. I mean, for crying out loud, if you sent me overseas and I had to drive on the right side of the car, that would totally yeah. throw me off. And I can't imagine somebody who's like you know big and fast and paid to beat me trying to outdrive me in that moment. <laughs> like I can, I can only imagine, as weird as it sounds, uh, that like I could, I gosh, I wish I could have a conversation with Leno and just ask him, like, okay, so you get to kick step with your uh so do you kick step with your inside foot or your outside foot uh you're you're, you're posting on your inside foot you're going back with your outside foot okay and it's all about the angle you're taking it's just uh again like like if you look at kyle long the year he played uh right tackle you know he was horrible at right tackle early <laughs> in that year i mean because like i believe for the sack watch he he had a lot of sacks give up early um, mm-hmm. I think Ju- I think uh, the first Packer game was against the Julius Peppers, and Peppers killed him. I mean, Peppers obviously is, is one of the best players of all time. It was a mismatch going against them, but going from and the way the Bears did it is he he went to that position a week prior. It's just horrible. That's why I talked. Earlier it was just about, awful. It was awful. I, I remember uh, that. I talked earlier about put these guys in their spots and let them sit there for the rest of their lives. That's how you got to be offensive line. Yeah, you some guys can't do it. You have to move guys around. It's best for the team. But if you have five quality guys, put them where they go and mess them. Because you got a guy like Kyle Long, and his whole life, you know, as a pro, was spent inside. Things happen quicker inside. You know, the, the guy in front of you is on you much quicker inside. You know, the, the, the steps you take is a, is, a, is a smaller step, a more controlled step. And you can do more if you get – if you have bad technique at guard, your power is usually enough to o- overcome. And with a guy that like Long – With a guy like Long, he has the power. Yeah, he has the power. If you're out at tackle, your upper body's not in, 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 in cohesion with your lower body, and you get off balance, I don't care how strong you are, the guy's going to go right past you or he's going to uh, 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 be able to go outside and come back inside quickly. 
because you just can't recover. If you're off balance at tackle, you can't recover. If you're off balance at guard, everything's happening so close on top of you, you know, it's like, it's like, like, like two bulls hitting each other, you know, you can grab them, you can, you can recover mm-hmm. if you have the strengths. So at the, at, I mentioned the, the Peppers game with the Packers. You know, the next time they played the Packers, which I think was like, you know, the second half of the season, you know, Long gave up no sacks, gave up no pressures. You know, as a right tackle, he was much better, but that was, you know, some like, like 10 weeks further down the road. You know, so he got better, and, and I think he mm-hmm. would have stayed at, if he would have stayed at tackle, he would have been fine, but he's a guard. Let him go back to guard. I was oh, glad yeah. they moved him back in there, and it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's footwork. Even though it's the same side of the line at the right side, it's different angles. It's, it's you know, the, the, the steps you take are just not as, as, as long as tackle. You don't have uh-huh. to worry about, you know, you, you don't have to worry about guys coming back inside very often. When you're at tackle, if you take a, a long kick step to cut off the edge, you know, depending on where you are in, 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 with, with the guy across from you, you know, you're opening up angle to come back inside. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist at guard, you know, because there's a guy, you know, you're closer to the to center. There's, there's less angles for the defender to take, which is why it just tackles the, the money position. You get paid more. I remember there's a play, uh, again, in that week two Seahawks game where Long got sent to his knees uh, because the defensive lineman just knocked him down, basically. Uh, But from his knees, he was able to fight his way back up and ended up getting underneath leverage on that lineman because he had grabbed him from underneath and basically chucked him over. Uh, And it reminded me exactly like you're talking about. If he's on that tackle edge, he's getting beat. I mean, no yeah. chance. There's just too much space out there. But as a guard, you get the you get a little bit of extra recovery time, which allows Long's athleticism to shine through. Works out for him. All right. Yeah. So I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you before we wrap up the show. You don't have to be too fast, but we'll, we got a couple of these. So if it's you calling it, how many pro bowlers do you think are on the line uh, from this time next year? Uh, I think... Uh... Cody Whitehair is going to make it again. And I think uh, James Daniels has the skill to make it again. I think those two make it. I don't think Leno's going to make it. I think Leno kind of only made it as an alternate anyway. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I like Leno. I think he's a good quality player. But, you know, he had to make it because a couple of guys got hurt in front of him. But with, mm-hmm. with Whitehair, Whitehair, I think if they do switch him, like like they've talked about, I think him at guard is going to be, you know, he's, he has the mauling type strength. Um, oh, he's also, awesome. he, he, you know, he's also a technician, you know, he is, you know, I mean, that's why, I mean, he was supposed to be a guard, you know, from the start. And then, you know, obviously the thing with Josh Sitton happened, you know, you had to make <laughs> some, 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 some moves. He ends up at center. He had a great rookie season. And then uh, he's just a, a quality offensive lineman. And then with James Daniels, you know, he looks, you know, in, in the few pictures I've seen of him, you know, just, just, just him just standing there. Um, he looks bigger. He looks like he's more defined. You know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he added a little bit of weight. You know, you understand he was 20 last year when he started that's in the NFL. That's crazy. You know, that's, 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 you know, he still has some baby fat on his body. You know, he's going through a full uh, NFL strength and conditioning program now. I think the sky's the limit. He's just, he's that good. I think those two will be in the, in the Pro Bowl next year. Now, when you talked Pro Bowl, do you think either of them have a shot at all pro? Uh, you know, it's tough. You know, there's, it's just, there's a bunch of good, good centers and guards out there. Um, the, the guy in the Eagles is, uh, is outstanding uh, at center. You know, there's just a, f- a few, a few guys, I think maybe better in front of him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about all pro, but again, if it's bears are good, you know, who knows if, if they end up going mm-hmm. to a, a 12, 13 wins, like, you know, like a year ago, 12 and four, 
you know, usually consistently good teams get the recognition. So if that's the case, it could happen. Okay. And then last question I've got for you. If nobody gets hurt, where do you think this Bears offensive line lands in terms of just I don't, rankings? Not like anybody's in particular rankings, yeah, yeah. but just where do you think it lands? Uh, definitely top five. I mean, I think uh, a couple of years ago, most people thought they were at least a top 10 unit. Um, I think the key is Kyle Long. I mean, he has no surgeries coming <laughs> yeah. off in the offseason. If he can get back to what he was, and, you know, a lot of Bears fans don't like Kyle Long um, because of the social media thing. They, they see a guy who has spent a couple of years getting hurt, uh, but he was still very active in social media. And for some reason, that pisses off some fans. You know, uh, you know, this guy should be working out instead of being on Twitter. Okay, give me a break. You know, he's, he's, do, he's doing his thing. So he gets a lot of people criticizing him, you know, from that, which I think is unfair. When he was good, he was really good. Three straight Pro Bowls, you know, two, two at guard, one at tackle. You know, he's quality. He's a very good offensive lineman. His technique has never been flawless. He's always one of these guys where he he just looks he looks like he doesn't I'm not gonna say he doesn't know what he's doing all the time, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know, uh, every now and then you'll see him lead with his face. It just gets he gets his body too far on the front, but he's just so strong, it just doesn't matter to him. You know, he wants to get hold of you as quick as possible because he has that much faith in his ability to move you out of the way. So if he lunges at you sometimes, which works at guard, not a tackle, but if you if he lunges at you and he gets a hold of you, you're blocked, and that's what he wants mm -hmm. to do. So, you know, if, if he's healthy, if he can have a full year of health, I think this is definitely a top-five unit for sure. One thing that always sticks out to me about Long is uh, Jonathan Wood brought up this stat that I'll always I'll just repeat until I don't have any more breath in my lungs that Kyle Long, when he was on the field, the Bears uh, basically they toted the ball at an average of four point nine yards per carry. And yeah. when he wasn't on the field, just one lineman dropped it to three and a half yards per carry. It is absolutely crazy that just Kyle Long, uh, and who knows, maybe there's some other situational stuff in there, but boy, does it sound like he is integral to this running attack. You know, part of that is, is when Long is in there, you have the, your same five guys that you went through camp with. Mm -hmm. When Long comes out, now you have a guy, uh, I think it was Cush at first, then it was Witzman. So you had two changes because uh, it wasn't Cush the guy that was the first replacement, and then they got Witzman yep. a couple weeks later. Mm -hmm. so, 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 so now you have five guys that you, you, you have Long out, you have Cush in. So now you have to, get, you, get, you, know, have to, you have to understand what Cush you're going to do. So you're losing a little bit there. And then you have it happen again with Witzman, who I understand the Bears thought he was the better man for the job. So, mm -hmm. but, but you're going to have some problems, you know, when you make those switches up front, you're going to have some issues, you know, the, the, the continuity is not there. And I think we saw that as Bears fans and we had uh, a couple years ago when they had all those injuries, we had uh, 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 Cody White here playing, you know, guard, right guard, left guard and center in a couple of games. So <laughs> it's just that. one of those, it's one of those, you have to get used to your guy next to you. So when you lose a better player and even if the guy coming in is really good, you're going to lose something. You're going to lose something in, in what, what they expect from you up front. And then we, we talk about the running backs behind them, you know, you're losing that as well because they don't know what's going on. They don't, they don't always trust what they see in front of him because it's a backup. Makes sense to me. Well, thank you so much, Lester, for coming on. It has been a blast having you folks. This is the Lester Wiltfong, WCG's not only, uh, gosh, what is your official position? You're, you're the boss. I mean, you're the head I guy. Am the, uh, I think they call me the editor in chief. Okay. So I've, 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 I've kind of rolled with that since I like the way it sounds. 
That's about right. Where can they find you on Twitter or wherever else you're doing anything? Uh, you can find me, of course, uh, on Twitter at WiltfongJR. Uh, you can find me all over Windy City Gridiron. And then, of course, I am uh, also on the podcast channel every now and again when I'm not too busy to record. Uh, so make sure you follow the uh, podcast channel so you can get my show, Robert's show, and also Jeff and EJ's show. Absolutely. It is a phenomenal lineup, and we love doing it for you. Thank you so much for coming on again, Lester. I know I learned a lot. I hope everybody else learned a lot. Always great talking about the big uglies up front. Sounds good. Thanks much. Thank you. And folks, there you have it. That's your 2019 primer for the Chicago Bears offensive line. And I'll tell you what, I'm excited about everything that 2019 holds. Between all the skill position-related storylines like Anthony Miller's potential breakout season, David Montgomery's fit in the offense, and Mitch Trubisky's next steps as a 2019 quarterback, you can bet your bottom dollar that offensive line and the play on the front is going to play a huge role in how those players perform. As your host, I've been Robert Schmitz, and you can find me over on Twitter anytime at at Robert K. Schmitz. That's at R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Feel free to follow me for more random Bears thoughts. Certainly different Bears threads, though they do end up getting around to Winnie City Gridiron in all cases. Uh, and feel free to follow the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform it is that you listen to us on. Please rate it if possible, if you take the time. That really helps us reach all the Bears fans possible, which not only helps the growth of our podcast, but also makes sure that Bears fans as a whole, as we approach 2019, are all on the same page. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And as always, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me.